Hey, y'all. Welcome to Water, Bo- Water Break with Water Boys Thursday afternoon. It's hot up here in the Pacific Northwest. I think we got uh, to 104 degrees yesterday. It got so hot, my well broke at my house. So I had no water at my house for the last 48 hours. And when you have horses and pigs and a family, it was a it's an intense couple days there. I end up going to I end up going to my pond and getting buckets of water out of the pond and giving them to the animals and everything at like midnight uh, on Tuesday. So it was, a, it was an intense uh, uh, couple days there for us. But running water's back. God is good. He took away the running water for us from us a little bit. Taught us some good things, and the water running water's back. And we're getting ready for our 4th of July uh, Liberty Bash that's coming on at my house uh, for club members and supporters. We're excited to have you guys out to the wrench, little wrench farm uh, on 4th of July. I mean, if you guys haven't been following or or, uh, paying attention, I don't know what's wrong with you. Uh, I'm excited about our uh, Nashville or Lebanon, Tennessee conference, uh, Fight Laugh East conference coming up on September 9th through 11th. We got Pastor Vody, Pastor Doug, Pastor Toby, uh, uh, Dave Bonson, Doug Tenaple on Friday. I'll be doing a panel uh, with actually some of our Canadian friends uh, at the conference on a SWAT. We'll be doing SWAT talks on on Saturday. We got Sheologians coming out. We got another number of good SWAT talks happening on Saturday. We can't wait uh, to have all of you there. But you got to go to fightlaughfeast.com to sign up before early registration is up or before all the seats are, are full. Uh, registration's going fast, so make sure you guys sign up before before it all fills up. We had uh, Grace Agenda here in Moscow um, just filled up in two days, uh, three days uh, here in Moscow, probably a couple, it was actually probably a week, week and a half, but it's all full. We can't take any more for Grace Agenda here in Moscow, so we hope to see you guys in Tennessee for that. We're really excited about the, the conference. My favorite, my two favorite talks, actually, I got, I got my, my, th- my favorite titles of the Friday talks um, or one is Pastor Toby's is Molotov monogamy. You know, the, the nuclear family is like a Molotov cocktail. Um, we got Vody Bakum on critical sex theory. Not not critical race theory, critical sex theory. How to keep Marx and Freud out of your bedroom. Um, and then my pastor, Pastor Doug, uh, he's going to do a talk on gay pulpits, uh, politics of feminism, homosexuality, and unfaithful children in the church. Really um, excited. Those are just some fun titles anyways uh we thank you thanks for all your support as you guys know club members uh and supporters are coming out to my house for fourth july well you can still become a club member don't be shy become a club member you get discounted at our conference you get t-shirt you get access to our club portal so make make sure this is a great way to support us we really appreciate your support so join us on uh and become a club member take all these actions at fight i'm really uh, grateful today to have uh, pastor trevor stevens on Pastor Trevor Stevens is his brother is Pastor Tim Stevens who w- was arrested uh, twice uh, in in Alberta and uh, we'll get into more of that here in a minute. But Pastor Trevor Stevens was raised on a farm in Eastern Ontario. He was born again by the grace of God through faith in Christ at the age of fourteen after being invited to an evangelistic meeting in Cornwall. He'll probably never forget that meeting. He was baptized shortly afterwards and attended Briarcrest Bible College. You went to Briarcrest. Oh man, we used to call that that college bridal quest because a bunch of my yeah. friends would go up there, get married, and bring back a bunch of Canadian wives. <laughs> <laughs> um, after graduating, let's see. Uh, I got all sidetracked. That was after graduating. 
Um, after moving to Edmonton, Alberta, Trevor and his wife Anne began attending Victory Baptist Church in 2006. Trevor and Anne now have six children and live in the country just outside of Edmonton. Very nice. Trevor was called to the associate pastor of Victory Bible Church alongside Pastor David Harness Jr. in 2017 after the founding pastor, David Harness Sr., retired after 37 years of ministry. Fantastic. Recently, as a result of an attack on religious freedom in Canada, if you guys haven't been paying attention, what's wrong with you? And especially Alberta, Trevor has been involved publicly alongside fellow pastor and older brother, Pastor Tim Stevens of Fairview Baptist Church in Calgary. He has spoken out in multiple public rallies, helped organize churches across Alberta to open through the openalbertachurches.com website. That is openalbertachurches.com website and has been involved with church leaders across the nation and standing for religious freedoms. Very good. Thank you, Pastor Trevor, for coming on the show. Well, thanks very much for having me. I'm glad to be here. So uh, I, I just saw uh, Raquel, Pastor Tim's wife, I just saw Raquel's comments on Facebook that it looks like your brother uh, is going to be released or has been released. Um, yeah, I can what, What's going on? What's he, the update? I can confirm that he has been released. We're just praising God right now. Um, I just got a message from Raquel not too long ago saying that they've now been reunited. So uh, we're just praising the Lord. Praise God. And, and so what was the circumstances? Because his trial or his court date or whatever got extended. It was supposed to be on July 11th. What were the circumstances of his release? Well, it's, it's a little bit hard to ascertain all of that, but what's recently happened is today, which is July the 1st, uh, Alberta, which is the province we are, where the public health orders were set up, has dropped all of the public health orders or nearly all the public health orders, okay. and specifically the ones that uh, were untenable for us as pastors, which was the limiting of the churches, masking, mm-hmm and social distancing. Mm -hmm. And as a result of those being dropped, there Mm -hmm. was a a court injunction that was, and and Tim on a previous show talked to you about this, that that's been rescinded. And as a result of that with the public health orders, that that has made a way for Tim now to be released on bail. He's not out of the woods. He still has that trial date on July the 12th, but at least now he can be home with his family, which we're, we're rejoicing over. So, so he's actually released on bail. So he had to pay money yeah. to get out. No, it wasn't. Um, it was just a conditional release. Okay. Uh, we don't have all the, the details of that sorted out, but okay. basically um, it's not on a certain amount of money. There's, we call it keep the peace and be of good behavior. Mm-hmm. Basically don't break any laws and come back to court on the 12th. Okay. So that's what is a conditional release. So the, the original order, I, I, I don't understand this. Um, because we had Pastor Tim on the first time after he got arrested, um, mm-hmm. and, and he said the original order didn't apply to him. And then I saw the video footage when the officers were going to arrest him again, and he pointed out again, hey, the original order that you guys are trying to arrest me under doesn't apply to me. It doesn't have my name on it. it it's, it's not for me. It's for the coffee shop down the road. How, how, did, how did they still arrest him under that initial order? Well, it's... Even though the order doesn't apply to him, unfortunately, we have um, a police service that is more than willing to uh, do the government's bidding and to arrest him, even though it doesn't apply to him. It's very specific on this court injunction. It lists the people that are involved. It's that, as you're you're correct, that, that man that owns that restaurant and anybody working in association with him, which is not Tim. And regardless that Tim's name is not on there, they still chose 
to lock him up because the way the government works is the working right now is they would rather jail pastors and ask questions later. And if this injunction finds out that it doesn't apply to him, they'll just say, whoops, sorry, but they've got their way. They've been able to jail uh, somebody that's been defying their orders. So it would, if, if let's say pastors, Tim's case gets dismissed because the order didn't apply to him. Would Tim have any other additional legal legal remedies like being able to sue, being able to kind of push the next steps um, in all this? Yes. The short, short answer is yes. Uh, it's kind of a, a difficult uh, situation because uh, a pastor uh, suing the government uh, and the only way to do it is to, we, w- we would like to sue for an apology or just a confession or repentance. But unfortunately, there's always a, a money amount. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, there would be legal recourse for wrongful in, uh, imprisonment. Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, I've kind of gone through this whole thought process um, uh, uh, here in, in my town. As you know, I was arrested and all that mm-hmm. stuff. I'm, I'm suing, and it's a financial lawsuit. I'm, I'm in a federal courts suing my city because of them violating my constitutional rights. And, um, you know, Paul appealed to Caesar. You know, Paul, right. uh, we don't have a problem with using the legal process to um, vindicate our name, vindicate the issues, vindicate what's happened. That's just part of the legal remedies we have, and thank God for it. And so um, I would, yeah, man, I would recommend go as far and deep as you can uh, pushing the issues on that. Um, so... Uh, he was arrested under this order that didn't apply to him twice, and right. and then he's in. He went to jail the second time for how many days was he in jail this this second time? Well, I think today is day number seventeen. He was jailed June the fourteenth. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is wow. day number seventeen of him being in jail. Last time I think it was three days. Wow. So and were you yeah. able to kind of communicate with him in the, in the prison at all? What was what was your time with him? if any at all Um, well after he was jailed the first time he called me and he basically gave me a speech and he's like trev i know the path you're on um just let you know prison's no fun uh and he told me some stories that was uh it's as raquel says it's not john bunyan writing pilgrim's progress in there and you know the wind and the breeze blowing nicely music in the background uh so when he went in the second time i think he was a little bit more prepared and yeah. the way it is, is because of COVID, they actually have to put them into quarantine. And so they're essentially in solitary confinement for 23 and a half hours a day. And then they get out for half an hour approximately and 20 minutes for a phone call. And so you can imagine he's calling his wife Raquel. Yeah. And there was uh, one day, he tried to call me several times, uh, just I did, wasn't able to get to the phone in time, but I did manage to connect with him one day. And uh, he, in fact, had written me, a letter from prison uh-huh. that uh, was very touching. Yeah, and so yeah, I did get a chance to connect with him, which was great. Oh, that's great. Um, and now you, uh, you're outside of jail, trying to obviously fight for your brother and all this. You wrote a number of U.S. politicians asking yes. for help, and and look, it sounds like I mean, I saw uh, Josh Josh Haley. You, you got some responses. Yeah, well, it, when Tim was. Tim was imprisoned, I realized that public opinion wasn't on our side, that the media was completely ignoring us. Mm-hmm. In fact, more than half of Calgary 
did not know that a pastor had been in jail. It's just ludicrous. Wow. And because the mainstream media would not report on it. And we were thankful for the, the independent sources that did. Yeah. And so I realized that Canadians actually pay more attention to the U.S. news and the, U, and the Canadian media ta- oh. pay more attention to U.S. news. So I thought I'd come in through the back door. And also, there's not a lot of principled politicians in Canada. Uh, and so same here, same I, here. We're, we're the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, in fact, if I can just segue a little bit, I know you guys have some pro- some problems with your your president, and mm-hmm. you know, I know Trump Trump used to call him Sleepy Joe, but I think he's more like a Creepy Joe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Especially with all this whispering that he's doing, it's it's quite yeah. something. Yeah. The whispering <laughs> of the president and the whispering in the SBC. <laughs> But anyway, Ooh, uh, man, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> I just wanted to throw a few jabs in there because, you know, Canada's <laughs> got problems, but you guys got your own battles to yeah, sort we out do. as well here. Yeah, we do. So I, uh, I wrote a letter and I sent it off and the, I had a few contacts, uh, several of our, uh, people in our church okay. attend a school down in Wisconsin. Okay. And through that, we had connections with the former governor, Scott Walker. Right. And also I had a, a, a pastor friend of mine who pastors in Indiana and he had some connections and, uh, with the Senate and he okay. was able to work it up. And, uh, I believe that letter received, uh, the Senator from Missouri. Yep. And the interesting thing is that after he wrote that letter back and asked to be put, uh, Canada to be put on uh, the U S commission, yeah, that was so good. national religious freedoms, put Canada on a persecution watch list. Yep. And that started to get some traction here. And then for, furthermore, when Scott Walker wrote things. So yep. yeah, we are thankful for the principled men in the U S that have spoken out against this. Now, uh, I mean, why not try to st- still seek help from like the politicians in Canada? I mean, why, you know, I understand kind of maybe trying to get some attention, uh, the, the media issues in Canada, but why, why still not reach out and, and write letters to the politicians in Alberta? Well, we did. I, I, I did a more of a shotgun approach okay. to everything. Um, the last two weeks have been a bit of a whirlwind because uh, not only pastoring and, and being a father, but I also have a, have a secular job that I basically had to put on hold. And what I, what I, as I was saying, I do a shotgun approach. So while I was reaching out to U.S. politicians, I was reaching out to Canadian politicians as well. Uh-huh. And in fact, we did get some response. And um, I was able to connect. And I don't know if he's ever been on your show, but there's a, a pastor in Ontario, uh, Michael Thiessen, Oh yeah, that yep. uh, he's the president of the Liberty Coalition Canada. Yep. yep. And he has some connections with some politicians. So through him, I was able to get connections with a federal that would be similar to. Uh, so a congressperson okay. in the States uh-huh. and I was able to connect with him by phone and he's a principled man. Uh-huh. And I was able to get him out to the second rally that we held on June the 26th. And he came, he flew out from Ontario and spoke there. I was also able to reach and contact a provincial uh, politician that got kicked out of our premier's party uh, because he was calling for an end of the lockdowns. And wow. so I thought he would be a sympathetic voice and I talked to him on the phone, and he was a, a, a principled man as well. Uh-huh. And he had some very harsh words, uh, and I thought appropriate words, for our premier at the rally. And so I am thankful for the these men, uh, albeit few, that have yeah. stood up and said something. Have I mean, does anybody have a uh, communication line to the premier? I mean, it seems like all these politicians that are making these rules. I mean, my own city council here just ignored anybody who disagreed with them just absolutely ignored it. Like there's no comments. There's no 
receiving of the information. Does anybody have a direct line to the premier? It seems like he, I mean, I've watched him, followed him on Facebook. It seems like he's just ignoring everything too. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a direct line. I've been trying to get to him. Uh, throughout this whole ordeal, I've had people that have been critical of us that have said, well, why don't you write to the premier? Why don't you pray for your government leaders? And we do. I send him le- yeah. letters every single day. In fact, he sent me a letter this morning uh, celebrating Canada Day and saying we have extreme cause for celebration because of the privileges and freedoms we have in this country. Well, I wrote him immediately back, which I posted on Twitter, how um, – Although you may, he's in his own echo chamber. And so I was trying to explain to him that while you might be celebrating, we're actually grieving. We're grieving for what's going on for Tim, but not only for Tim and his family and his church, we're grieving for our province and our nation. Mm -hmm. And so for him, he's in his own echo chamber of just, so he shields himself from any sort of criticism and anybody that seeks in our government to criticize the government. Right or their policies, they put them in jail. And that's what Tim did. He was an outspoken person against the government. And uh, frankly, if the restrictions weren't in place, they'd probably send a court injunction against me for saying the things that I'm right now. Wow. What it it does, it does seem like the Alberta health services is the, the bigger problem in this. I mean, of course your premier's a, a huge problem, but you can vote him out, but you can't vote out the director of a AHS. Um, yeah. at what, what political, um, uh, appeals do you have to the AHS? Well, the, the interesting thing about AHS, there's a couple of things. Number one, there's some laws still on the books that we must get removed immediately. And that is, even though the restrictions have been removed at any time, the chief medical officer of health for Alberta, which is Dina Hinshaw at any time she can enact new orders she doesn't need to go, doesn't need to get a vote. She doesn't need to go through the legislature. She can decree something and it applies to everybody. What, what it is, it's a medical dictatorship that uh-huh. we were under and that she could enact and reintroduce at any time. So we need to get that struck down immediately. The second thing regards to AHS is the person that really oversees it is an elected official and that's the minister okay. of health and his name is Tyler Shandro. Now, Tyler Shandro, when you dig into his background, you find out that he was the president of the Atheists Association for the University of Calgary. Oh, really? So you start to kind of put things together. Now, somebody that was the president of the Atheists Association, we're not talking about an agnostic. We're talking about someone that hates Christians, hates God. And so to me, and I can't say this with any sort of certainty, but it starts to make sense to me why Alberta seems to be the place where pastors have been repeatedly jailed. Right. And I would point the finger at Tyler Shandro as one of the key players. And he's even said so that he wants to go after some of the big names. And so, wow. uh, yes, AHS is a big problem. Wow. Uh, how did, what were your, what was your, you know, theological, political views before this year? Well, the interesting thing, I think like many, this caught us off guard. And yeah. so when we came to March, it's sort of like if the the officials came to your church door and they said, look, there's a there's a raging flood, the, the dam broke, it's about to inca- co- uh, cover your church building, we need you guys to get out. Uh-huh. Or if there was a fire, we would... We would defer to them. Mm-hmm. But then we started to realize, as, as they told us, uh, 
these horror stories, we, we started putting two and two together, just first of all, in regards to the virus itself. Right. But more than that, it gave us an opportunity to start looking at the scriptures because, you know, being a Baptist and our theological convictions, we say yeah. that the Bible is a sole authority for faith and practice. That's right. And so rather than being pragmatists and trying to compromise, we looked at the scriptures. Does the scriptures have a guide for us here in this day? And right. so we started to look at it. And of course, you're going to places like Romans 13 and 1 Peter chapter 2, and you're starting to wrestle with these verses. But yeah. more than that, you start to look at the overarching theme. You start strengthening your ecclesiology or your doctrine of the church. Yeah. And these sort of things, um, I would talk with Tim. We would have discussions on what we're doing, what God had been teaching us. Uh -huh. And there were others that were instrumental in leading us along to come to these convictions. Right. And then once we were certain, and I laid it out in a paper um, that I spoke at the first rally on okay. about the supremacy of the Savior the sufficiency of the scriptures and the steadfastness to submission. Right. And so we started to see that God is all supreme. Right. And we, and once we saw the authority structures fall into place where God is supreme and churches underneath and the government has its authority, but it's under authority by God and the government is not to have authority over the church. It just made sense. And so with that guide, we started to take actions to be able to have what God had been teaching us through the scriptures to align with our practice through the mm -hmm. church. And unfortunately there were few that uh, kind of saw it, saw it the same way as us. And that's really much of the same. The issue is that uh, Tim, he largely stood alone in yeah. holding these convictions. Yeah. You know, you mentioned um, you kind of come to the conviction or the, the realization of what it, what it means for God to be supreme. I've often mm -hmm. kind of in the, in the post mill, pre-mill debate, I've often, one of the things I've tried to just get my opponent to agree on is like, hey, let's let's at least agree that Jesus is king. Right. I, and I don't care what you Absolutely. think about the end times, but let's le at least agree that Jesus is king and, and now. Like he's king here and now. He's not king in the future. Um, and it seems like a, a lot of the churches have, there a lot, you know, um, a lot of churches like y'all have kind of grown in this conviction to like, Oh yeah, this is, you know, God is supreme. Jesus is, is King. So that has practical ramifications for how we view government, family, church and all and, and individuals and all this. Why, why hasn't the church had a, a deeper and fuller view of what it means to be that Jesus is King until, you know, going through this pandemic? I, I think there's a multitude of reasons, and I think it's, it's different from e for each pastor and situation. Yeah. And oftentimes when we, we discuss these things, uh, oftentimes when I, when I say something like that, someone will mention, well, Tim should read Romans 13, as if it's some sort of mic drop moment. Yeah. And we're going to say, oh, I didn't know Romans 13 was in the Bible. Yeah. But yeah. it's interesting. As soon as we go to Romans 13 and I started talking to them about the context surrounding Romans 13, whether it's going back to Romans chapter 12 and dealing with, you know, the vengeance and uh, the, the yep. context for it or going past verse number seven to read the rest of Romans right. 13. It seems like um, these men and these people that are uh, opposing us run try to f run as far away from the text as Kamala Harris would run from the, the border situation <laughs> to, to bring it back in to give you guys another little poke there. Yeah. Uh, but for each individual pastor, there's some of them that unfortunately have 
just not studied it out enough. They just on their own little world and they just blah, blah, blah. And they talk about sports and they talk about this and everyone else is doing it. They've never even bothered looking into it. Yeah. I think there's some pastors that are fearful, fearful in a few different ways, fearful of getting fines, fearful of being ticketed. They're fearful of, um, uh, of losing their congregation. Right. They're right. fearful of their pension. There's different weirds. And, you know, we see that from the scriptures, that brings a snare. And yeah. so it, it causes you not to think clearly. Um, well, and, and part, part of, I want to add to this, part of what I've, yeah. what I've pointed out in my own case, and I think you guys can have a similar appeal in all this, is that um, not only are you guys obeying Romans 13 as Christian pastors, but the government is not obeying Romans 13. Right. They aren't upholding your charter rights. You know, they weren't upholding my constitutional rights. Right. It's like they weren't obeying Romans 13. Um, and so it's just a, it's a it's somehow, some way we've gotten into this uh, civics world here in our country where we don't even know what the Constitution says, but we right. throw out Romans 13. I mean, I, was, I had uh, Relevant Magazine. Did a big when I got arrested back in September. Relevant magazine, a Christian magazine here in the U.S., a big Christian publisher. Uh, they did a spread on me, you know, the whole Romans thirteen thing, and and uh, at no point did they even call and interview me, which was which is hilarious. But you know, Christian after Christian were throwing that Romans thirteen at me, and I'm like, well, hold on, I'm I'm upholding Romans thirteen, and I yeah. I'm appealing to my government to live by Romans 13 also because the constitution, which is the highest authority in our land, it's not my governor, not my mayor, not our president. The piece of paper, the constitution is the highest authority in the land and they aren't abiding by it. So the Romans, um, it, it, it seems like we've bred in the church. I know for us, you guys are experiencing, I think similar, similar thing, you know, we've been sending our kids to government schools for a hundred years and then no wonder the government's been telling our kids what to think for a hundred years, and then no wonder we have a, a a pandemic, and then everyone just starts putting face masks on and starts getting vaccines and starts just social distancing and all these silly things that aren't scientifically proven. Um, well, it's it's interesting you mentioned education because the default is for Christians they think, well, I have to send my kids to public school. Yeah. But again, when you look at the authority structure, yep. who has been given authority over education? Now, somebody might say, well, it's the government. No. Mom and Dad. You look at the Bible, it's not the government. It's under the family structure and right. specifically under the fathers. That's right. And so, uh, and I tell my people going back to Romans 13 and, and lawbreakers, I tell them it's not us breaking the law. It's the government. It's the, They're right. the ones that are the lawbreakers. That's right. And so we see that there's essentially these lower laws, which I would call these public health acts and these mm-hmm. mask mandates. These are low laws. These are not high laws. Yeah. And then we are protected by, for us, it is our Charter of Rights and Freedoms or the Constitution. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, it, uh, and then beyond that, even if we did not have that constitutional document, we still have God's law. Jesus is still king. Have. Yeah. And so I say not only are we protected in one level, but we have uh, two layers of protection. It's sort of like double masking or something like that, you know, that you'd be be safer. So I I think that's important for people to get that idea around their head is that 
We're actually fulfilling the law of God. And by us calling out our government, it is righteous people. It is the people that know the truth. And it's incumbent upon us to tell the government they are out of line. And the same way I often relate these spheres of authority uh, to other people in this way. I'll say, well, I'm a pastor. I'm a father. I'm a business owner or an employer. Uh, I'm a husband. And so I have many areas of authority. But my authority as a pastor does not extend to telling somebody what specifically article of clothing to wear, what to put on their face, or who they ought to marry. Mm -hmm. You understand there's limits to my authority. I cannot go to someone else's uh, wife and start telling them and giving them commands like I would talk to my wife. And if that man, if that woman came up to her husband and say, do I need to obey Pastor Trevor in this? Yeah. The husband should say, absolutely not. He's way out of line. And furthermore, if he was righteous, if he was a good husband, he would come to me and set me straight. Now, I might get a punch in the face, which would be probably warranted. But furthermore, he should give me a severe lashing for stepping out of line. And so that's what we're doing. So many people think, well, you guys are going too far and calling out the government. No, I think this is our duty as Christians because if we don't do it, who else is going to do it? Yeah. Well, and you see, I mean, Paul constantly called out um, the authorities around him. You know, yeah. um, prophets constantly call out authorities around them. You know, there's there's the duty of the husband to do that uh, at a at a familial at a family level, but there's also the the you you wear you wear two hats. You wear the duty of a husband. You wear the duty of a pastor, and there's the duty of a pastor to be prophetic in that way and call out the sins of your government, call out the sins of right. and the overreach and the tyranny and all that and that that's that's part of the duty of a prophetic pastor um if you were premier for a day and it'd probably be maybe two hours actually um how would how would you kind of um sort through and and you know not fix i mean this is obviously a a scenario but how would you fix uh, alberta well I, i i don't that would never happen because i speak uh I guess my mind or, or the biblical truth too often that, you know, I would never survive, but really you're asking, where do we go from here? And rather than trying to affect political change, I would go for more of the spiritual change that's needed. Yeah. I would go to the pastoral leaders that really uh, to arm them and equip them and equip the church. Yeah. Uh, but if I was premier and I was able to legislate laws, I would strike down any godless law uh-huh. and hold as supreme our constitutional, because it is a good document. In yeah. the preamble, it actually says that uh, our nation is founded upon the principles that recognize the supremacy of God Ooh. and the rule of law. Yeah. And really what's happened in our whole land is we have rejected the supremacy of God, not only the supremacy of God, we've rejected God and we've thrown out the rule of law so that um, I would strengthen those, those documents and uh, send a message to the churches to be prepared for the next battle. Right. So I get kind of a follow-up related to that. Um, As a pastor, how are you thinking about uh, the future of the church in Canada? Um, You know, I, I, I've uh, had, pastors from Canada email me multiple uh, asking my advice on, you know, should, should we leave Canada? Should we get out? If we left Canada, where should we move to in in the States? What, you know, uh, you know, do we wipe our feet off and shake off the dust on our sandals? No, I, 
Uh, I've heard that too. And I, I guess it can be tempting, especially when you hear things like what Ron DeSantis is saying down in Florida. Uh, uh, it can be tempting, <laughs> but I know yeah. that there's battles coming in Canada. We have, uh, I, I believe kind of, at least for Alberta and the rest of Canada is kind of coming out of it, the coronavirus. But the next battle that they're really gearing towards is to take away our freedom of speech. They're mm-hmm. going to go after us, and they're actually enacting into law that it's going to become a criminal and a jailable offense to say things that are uh, not approved by the government. Mm-hmm. And so what are pastors going to do when they say, well, you can preach 99% of the Bible, but there's these three verses or this passage of Scripture that you're certainly not allowed to preach out of. Right. I know for me, my response will be, okay, well, now I've got to idea for a new sermon now and god has given you a direction on the sermon text for the next sunday tell everyone what all the fuss is about (laughs) and uh so when we're looking forward to we can we have our options option one which is untenable in my opinion is to repeat the disaster that the churches and went through in coronavirus i'm not talking about the virus i'm talking about how uh several churches uh and I, in my estimation, uh, did not take the right approach and the right stance. Yep, yep. So the, the, what we have to do is fight. Yep. We have to fight. We're soldiers in the army of the Lord. He has given us a commission to battle. Yeah, uh, that's right. It's interesting. I was in another presentation or an interview like this, and I finished off, and I was talking much the same. And one of the first questions that came up, and they said, Pastor Trevor, are you, you willing to lead us an armed rebellion against the legislature? And uh, I said, no, 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 that's not kind of the fight I'm talking about. Yeah. But we have to, as, so as soldiers, we need to equip the churches. Right. And more than, uh, I, I see that there's actually a need to equip pastors to equip the churches. Yep. So yep. we've been enlisted in the army. And I think what one thing that's key for us to recognize, not just as pastors, but as Christians, mm-hmm. that we are not our own. Yeah. That we have been Amen. bought. Amen. That we have uh, been bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And so it's not really our choice. Yep. The choice is not up to us. And God has given us a mandate, and we must obey. We Amen. must be slaves or servants of God. And I was reading this morning in the book of Ephesians, and chapter 4, Paul begins that chapter, says, I beseech you, um, and he talks himself as the prisoner. And we know the book of Ephesus or to the writing to the church of Ephesus yep. was written while he was in jail. Right. And as he's talking about being a prisoner, he's not talking about his chains and his bonds. He's talking about being a prisoner of the Lord. Amen. And so Tim is the same way. Tim is, uh, uh, was a prisoner behind bars, right. but Tim's a prisoner of the Lord. And we all need to have that same mindset that we are not our own. We're bought with a price. We've been enlisted into this army and we must go to battle because um, there is a war waging out there and that so, must be fought. So do you think it, it's just going to be rinse and repeat though? I mean, like the church is going to fold under coronavirus. They're also going to fold under, what is it? Bill 36. Is it just yeah, going to be rinse yeah. and repeat? Well, that's what we're trying to, uh, to avoid. And I, I fear that the principles are the same. Now people might say, Oh, with uh, freedom of speech, it'll be different. But it's interesting, when things happened with the coronavirus, many pastors drew what they called a line in the sand or a red line. Mm-hmm. And, but what happened is the government would cross that line and they would move it back. Mm-hmm. So one of the arguments was, uh, which I never really understood, was, well, this is only temporary. Yeah. Well, now we're 15, 16 months in. 
you can't call this temporary. Right. Nope. This is, and even that, you know, Daniel was only told not to pray uh, for 30, 30 days. days. Yeah. We uh-huh. know his, his response. Better preach. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think we really need to establish, like you were talking about earlier, we need to establish the basics that Christ is king. Mm-hmm. Christ is supreme and he demands his worship. And it is not for us to determine what scriptures we get to choose to obey and which scriptures we can compromise on. Amen. And so when it comes to freedom of speech, I already know what the battle will be that I don't know if it'll come to having us pass in our sermons for approval or that we won't be able to say certain words or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, but I think many pastors sadly will say, well, we can preach on all these other places. Right. Uh, so, uh, and that's really one of the burdens that I have right. is uh, to equip uh, churches in Canada with some of this information because sorting through a lot of the legal stuff and uh, just as a resource, we've realized how important it is for us to put our heads together and talk yep. about things. Mm-hmm. Um, people that I've never heard of before this, whether it's James Coates, yeah. um, Jacob Riome in Ontario, yeah. um, these other these other men that have uh, biblical convictions that we can put our minds together. Liberty Coalition Canada, Michael Thiessen. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, to kind of develop a plan so that when the next wave comes, the battle comes, they can talk to us and say, um, do you have any idea of how we should sort out what the government is doing and the bills are enacting? Right. You know, I mean, there really is something to strengthen numbers. But what that is, um, you know, one of the things the coronavirus did is it scattered everybody into their corners, into yeah. their houses. And and, it, and when, when that happens, you really become powerless in a lot of ways because you're, um, you don't have a community behind you. And one of the things the church has not done well over the – number of years is is build true genuine uh community in in a in a way where you're all marching the same direction and if something like this happens well you have support you have people who who got their their back i remember when i was arrested getting in the cop car my my pastor pastor toby who's on the on cross politic with me uh, i remember him standing there i'm in the getting handcuffed and put in the back of the car and my pastor is just rebuking the officers right there like, what are you guys doing? And and it, my my pastor had my back. It wasn't just like right. my, my brother's there. It was just it's such a, it, you know, it really also just kind of strengthened me to know, okay, what I, what I what's going on is is from God and my pastors are behind it and they're with me and they're, they're there for the fight too. And, and so it's good to, it's good to hear actually, you know, connecting with Jacob Raymond. I really like that dude. Um, uh, 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 Thiessen, uh, Pastor Thiessen, been getting to know him over the uh, number of months and all that stuff. But how real, how big is the faithful church in Canada? What's the remnant look like? Oh, I, it's 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 really hard to tell, and um, you know, it's not really up to me to to say who's faithful and who is not. You know, God calls me to be faithful. Sure. Um, I wish there was more, because one of the the effects of this is that because there were few churches that really took up similar position like Tim and James Coates in our church yep. is our churches are over flooded with people. Wow. Um, we're, we're just meeting beyond capacity. We're overflowing into the yep. basement, yep. Um, setting up additional screens. And you can understand not only Praise is it one God. thing to have people come, but also be able to meet their needs. Right. Uh, and furthermore, we're not talking about people that, uh, have everything sorted out. We're talking about people that have not been shepherded for over a year. 
And Ooh. because of that, they've been neglected by their shepherds in many ways. And so we're we're essentially receiving damaged goods and we're trying to uh, to bring wow. restoration. Uh, so uh, that that is one of the fallouts for this. And, wow. you know, further to the point, what I was talking earlier, there's many pastors that, you know, were rejoicing that they could still do online services yeah. and they, you know, how they can, well, we can do this other thing. I can preach on this other passage. Yep. But the interesting thing, I was talking to one pastor the day after I talked to him and he was talking about how great it was that he could stream live on YouTube and Facebook was the next day that the government announced a bill of internet censorship so that they would law, uh, make Oof. a law for YouTube, Facebook, and others yep. to actually shut down people that they didn't like the message on. Wow. And so what's going to happen after that? You drive your church online, and then what happens if YouTube or Facebook doesn't like your message? The government of Canada is now going to tell them to shut it down because it's hate speech. They're going to quarantine you offline. So they're going to quarantine yeah. in your house, and then they can quarantine you off the Internet. <laughs> yeah, and they're, they're making a concerted effort. And really what this gets to, if I want to get a little more political, you find out throughout history that, uh, as a pastor friend once said, government is like an insatiable beast. It always wants more and more power. And the reason why they attack Christians is because Christians put their loyalty to God, usually, above the government. And we see this in China. We see this in North Korea. They just want you to be loyal to the government. And because we have people like James Coates and Tim Stevens that say, no, I'm going to be loyal to God no matter the cost. They are a problem and they must be dealt with and they must be dealt with severely. And that's what we're seeing in this day. Man, we need more Daniels in the church for sure. Pastor Trevor, hang on the line before we get when we get off here. Everyone, thank you for joining us. Pastor Trevor, thank you for uh, joining uh, Water Break here. And uh, we're so grateful that Pastor Tim Stevens is now free. If you're listening and watching, Pastor Tim, we love you, man. Thank you for standing up for Jesus and being a good example of what faithfulness looks like um, to your family and to your church. Love you, Pastor Tim. So until next time, everybody, uh, our Sunday special is going to be live from my house on 4th of July at our 4th of July Liberty Bash. So make sure you tune in live on uh, Sunday night, 7 p.m. Until next time, love God, go fight, laugh, and feast.